From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Zach Berry here with you today. We're doing, I guess, a fire away Friday a day early. Throw it at us Thursday. I don't know. I like alliteration. We'll figure out something as we uh, go about our day, taking some of your questions from a thread that Zach graciously put up on the WearableGrove.com message board yesterday. You should check it out. You should subscribe. It's the same price it's been since uh, 2001, basically since the same time that we started looking at a little project we're working on from a recruiting content standpoint. So, uh yeah, for less than $10 a month, you can get uh, get hooked up with rebelgrove.com and the Grove message board, our lovely community that uh, is trying to keep itself sane right now as we're headed toward maybe sports at some point, definitely an election in November and more. So uh, anyway, podcast brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Go to uh, <clears throat> your phone, download the SpeedPass Plus app. When you do that, you can take care of your fuel right there at the pump without having to touch much of anything. Pay at the pump, get on your way with all Blue Sky locations, including the Oxford Exxon in Oxford. We're coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Highway 25 South there in Amory. Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy, and he'll give you a discount if you mention the podcast when you sign that paperwork. Also give you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. That's Clark Ford in Amory, 662-257-1900. And we take all of our guest calls, and Zach is currently on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline, located at the Sardis Marina, come experience outdoor Dining unlike any place in North Mississippi, they offer shrimp and Mississippi catfish platters along with gourmet burgers, Louisiana-style po'boys on Leidenheimer French bread. Wednesday, Thursday, 3.30 to 10. Friday to Sunday, 11 to 10. They do to-go and curbside pickup available. 662-712-6162 for that. Zach, good afternoon. We're recording around 12.50 on uh, Thursday. Got a good many questions over a variety of topics. Some questions that I'm skipping as always, but we'll, uh, we'll hit a good many of them. Not a lot. Going on news-wise today, we knew that the Ivy League was going to make some decisions yesterday. They did that. That is not a domino effect, as we mentioned. Uh, Louisiana, their school board comes out this morning and says that as of now, they are finding ways to play high school football as long as the governor signs up off on it. And then there's also a video um, from Noel Wilkin, the Ole Miss provost, that I put up either last night or this morning. It's all kind of running together where he lays out the um, the situation at Ole Miss. Frankly, a lot of online classes, a lot of hybrid model classes, very few in person. So I'm kind of curious to see how that affects uh, enrollment, gap years, frankly, the local economy. Is there? It's nobody's fault per se. There's no easy answers. But as I kind of heard him talking, and you, when you hear somebody say it, in addition to just reading an email or reading things they put out, it's it's a stark contrast to normal. It is uh, definitely going to be different at uh, at all college campuses, but. Ole Miss going to institute a ton of remote and distance learning this uh, this fall, it sounds like. How do you think that's going to affect everything else? You mean athletically? I, yeah, I don't necessarily think it will, per it, se. As I long as you have in-person class, in class possible, that keeps athletics possible. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as anything is in person, you don't have this hard line, kind of like the Ivies were having because they're not having in-person classes, where they had a problem of, well, if we're all online, how do you even have people on campus? What do you do? How do you mm-hmm. do sports? Um, also, this will help with um, foreign exchange students or international students or however that's phrased. I'm not trying to be um, difficult or discriminatory. I don't know the correct term, but... Um, you know, there've been some talks about deportation or their visas not being good, or again, however that works. I don't know how that works, but uh, with in-person classes, you also can avoid that, and those uh, those students can stay in the country, as far as I'm aware of. So yeah, there's there are several athletic and then other benefits to having some in-person classes. But when you're talking about freshmen, I mean, we're talking about very very few even freshman level basic classes in person. You got to wonder about out of state tuition, about people wanting to come into town, stay here for a semester to have a deal where they never actually go to campus for a class. It's a, it's a tough decision. It's not an easy decision, and uh, I, I do. I, I think the town and the enrollment will be affected by this as we uh, move forward. And I think there's still, still eleven days before all scheduled or, schedules are finalized. I think Ole Miss has until July twentieth to lock down exactly how each class is going to play out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent on. You have to have in person in some form or fashion to keep sports on the table because it's pretty uh, contradictory to say, well, we can't, you know, everything's online, but these students can be here and these students can, uh, you know, play games on campus. So you uh, certainly need to keep your options open uh, as far as in person classes, if, uh, you know, safe and all that stuff. But for now, I, you know, it's still early July. I think there's still plenty of time this month and then mid-August, I think you can make a decision because, look, I, I don't, again, I don't see any reason why they can't just back the season up a couple weeks. I think the only reason why you would have it before that, and I saw some Big Ten head coach say this yesterday, if you're going to do the conference-only schedules where you add a couple games and you play maybe 10 games against only a conference opponents, it probably has to be a little earlier, but yeah, I it, it will it will it will surprise or amaze me if any conferences or ads come out with anything concrete prior to at least the last few days of July. I would say somewhere in there. I, I think we're two weeks away from even the possibility of that. Kind of see where things are trending. Um, see in Mississippi, they're at the high school and the elementary school and the primary school level. They're going to let a lot of school districts just decide on their own what they want to do as far as getting uh, get, getting kids back in, in class. And, again, that's what we don't know either. We don't know exactly if this is, you know, whether it be starting on time, if it be fans in the stands, if it's talking about, hey, this is all going to be a state-by-state decision, if this is going to be some conference decisions. We don't think it's going to be a national decision because you just can't put everybody in one, under one umbrella. But otherwise, uh, there's still a lot of unknowns. We've spent the entire year of 2020, for the most part, with a lot of unknowns, and they are still here. I don't think it has much to do about um, college. I don't think we can put a, a domino, to use the same term, effect on this. It was a little startling that the Ravens come out yesterday and say they're only going to put 14,000 people in their stadium for home games this uh, this fall if fans are allowed whatsoever that's socially distanced. They've got a stadium of 71,000, and it will have uh, 14,000 seats available in it. They are redoing a seating chart right now. They're going to release that to their uh, their top season ticket holders at some point for them to purchase tickets. And essentially, if you've purchased a season ticket for this year, they're just going to take all that and move it to head to 2021 and then redo everything for this year. Oh, huh. all right. Yeah, so. I mean, hell, they've had plenty of time to figure figure this out. So, <laughs> um, I mean, what else, what else have they been doing? But, yeah, that's... 
Well, you know I, they've got 98 different contingency plans in place, though. Yeah, like, I can't of, imagine how many, like, print. chalkboards are up there with different things. Right, yeah. Um, I I think that they're eventually, barring something incredibly bad happening in terms of COVID wave, outbreak, whatever you want to call it, um, I think they're going to have college football in some capacity, but it's either going to be no fans at all or it's just going to be a, you know, hey, enter at your own risk type deal. So I don't think there'll be full stadiums, though. No, I don't either. And liability creates tons of issues with a lot of this, but nonetheless, Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's questions for another day. There probably might be some questions in this. uh, as we move forward, we start the uh, the questions from Hunting Rebel two thousand one says how do you how do you think people would react if the media reported corona survival rates and number of recoveries every day instead of the number of cases and deaths? Um, I do think the cases can be played out over time. I think that we probably put a little too much emphasis on cases in some aspects. Um, deaths are it's a very concrete number. Um, it's impossible to now play that in any way. That's got to be a number to the top of the list, no matter what. I do think from a pure, full balance perspective, it is interesting that, no, it may not, I mean, I guess survival rates to a point, but there is a huge difference in cases and active cases, um, especially this far into it and how long we've been dealing with this over several months, that I, I do think... There's a couple elements to this. I think active cases is a very important number. I think recoveries is another important number, just like everything else. I mean, the more data, the better. You can never have too much data. You can you give me as complex and, and, and difficult of a situation as you can, and, hey, I want all the data I can get to support that and to figure, make up my own decisions. Um, I will say that I wonder a little bit, and this is not political. This is not about November or anything like that. I do think there's probably even if it's not direct, even if it's kind of indirect or under the surface, people don't guard or lie as much as they don't necessarily want to paint every possible positive scenario because they're trying to keep people more on guard and protected and get them to do certain things to protect everybody else. I I do wonder if there's like this almost Freudian thing where, hey, if we talk about active cases versus cases, if we talk about recoveries versus whatever, you could have more laissez-faire, you could have more people just kind of going around not worrying about masks and thinking this would not affect them or people around them if we only talk about the positives. Right, and I don't know. To a certain extent, I think they need to report, you know, you you need to air out the dirty laundry because I think, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I still think that there's a large number of people that are not taking this serious and I think that it's important to notify everyone about everything going on whether that's what's going on bad what's going on you know what's good what's bad you know are we staying the same I think it's important to educate everybody uh, on both sides of you know the fence I I, sure some people aren't going to wear masks that's I guess that's your right I don't think that that's smart um because as we've talked about plenty on the board, you and I have talked, I've talked with Neil about it. Wearing a mask is more about protecting everyone else around you as it is protecting yourself. So uh, <laughs> to a certain point, it's just kind of like, all right, can we can we have some common decency and just be some good people here for a couple months? And, you know, everything will slowly go back to normal. Um, but no, I mean, I think it's good to educate everybody on how serious this is. Because look, I mean, I don't think the few... Uh, the few close friends that I have that 
are either doctors or nurses in Mississippi or around the Southeast, you know, they, they still say that it's incredibly hard to, they can't really predict what this thing's doing because it mutates Mm -hmm. rather, rather fast. So pinpointing how to, how to stop it, get a vaccine, blah, blah, blah. Like that's difficult. So yeah, I mean, I think it's incredibly important to continue to notify people of, you know, just the crazy statistics that are happening with just things that are happening in Florida, Texas. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Like I said, I think the only number that in and of itself doesn't make a lot of sense. I will move on in a second. It's just cases simply because if we have, I don't know what the number is nationally, but you know, if there's 1 million cases, what does that necessarily mean? What does that not mean? I, I think that's a number that can lose a lot of, uh, a lot of value and take something else with it to really make it an important number to figure out what's going on. So anyway, that's my one thing. I, 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 I get annoyed a little bit with like the TV news when the only number I'm seeing up there is cases. And I'm like, okay, what, 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 what does that mean? How many people currently have it? How many people have recovered from it? What is that trend compared to last, whatever? I, that's, that's what we don't know. So anyway, um, moving on Reb in Madison, what does no football season mean for the Oxford economy? It's bad. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, between no football or, as we said, declining enrollment to a point that students don't give the surge as they normally do when they are in in, in town. Um, you know, look, Oxford has essentially been, quote, in summer mode since March. Oxford is not used to that. Oxford is used to a couple months of slower, sleepier time when not all the students go home, but a lot of students go home. But they're... You know, the the spring is just as big for a lot of economic reasons because of double-decker, because of baseball, because of so many – Grove Bowl, because of so many different things that it's not the fall, but it's not terribly off of that. And when you are when you lose that entire sem- uh, semester, when you've got essentially summer mode for that many months, and now we're talking about the fall being something similar or at least nowhere near full, full go, it's going to affect a lot of businesses. I, I can't think of any – business that is not affected somewhat by this locally in Oxford. We always talk about the hospitality industry, and that's important. I'm not trying to rule that out, but municipal workers. How many workers at the city of Oxford are going to be hired back? Um, How many are going to stay in furlough or lose their jobs at some point completely? You're talking about real estate in a number of different ways, be it primary market because people are losing their jobs in other industries and they can't afford to move or do things that they would do normally through the real estate market. The second home market will be crushed um, by this. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's so many different areas that are affected in so many different ways. So, no, it. I don't think there's a ton of what, – what, what scares me for Oxford is I don't think a lot of businesses have a ton of – capital built up where they're fine for a year. I think everybody's, you know, there, there's a lot of businesses that are very leveraged. I think there's a lot of businesses that just cannot survive this, especially when some federal money has run out with some different things have happened. It's, it's a, it's going to hit a point in the head where you've got to have money flowing back in. Yeah. I think, I think of all things, I think Ole Miss can recover somewhat quickly as long as they can avoid some major budget cuts and some, some layoffs and different things in different areas. But you do wonder a little bit how how long it would take the city of Oxford to bounce back with a complete no athletic fall and then potentially no athletic winter if basketball didn't get played too. I saw a uh, text uh, or an article that someone texted me uh, about the city of Austin. And mm-hmm. if I could find it real quick. Um, AustinMonitor.com. Don't know what that is, but uh, Buddy said that the headline 
that he sent. Survey predicts 90% of Austin live music venues to close by Halloween. 90. Yeah. Um, yeah, he texted me and he was like, how's Nashville holding up? And I was like, well, you know, I have no idea. I don't, I I have to ask some folks that I know that work in the, uh, the service industry. But, you know, as of now we're phase two, we got bumped back to phase two. So, um, there's been some hits. I mean, there's been some of our favorite places around town that have closed for good. But, um, I think for the most part, like Broadway, the stuff down there is going to be fine. Um, because look, they, they've been making money hand over fist for decades. So, uh, and I know that that you know for the for 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 everybody, that's it's not the case that you know oh we'll be fine. We've been doing well this whole time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have no idea. But certainly, you know, talking about sports coming back and affecting small towns like Oxford, like Starkville, like Auburn, um, Fayetteville. Tuscaloosa, like they absolutely, they I mean, are it, it what is, they are because of this. Period. Exactly. Athletics is factored into the economy one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, the, like I said, I mean, you look at every municipal area right now in Oxford, and because of all these different reasons, they're not at work. I mean, you're talking about everything from park commission to visitor bureau to, I think a lot of the police force has been hired back, but otherwise, people have not been hired back. It's still, it's still sitting here going on three months on furlough at this point. That I'm uh, that I'm aware of, unless I've uh, I missed something. The second question from him says, "Am I being unfair to say things are trending the wrong way for football to be played this fall?" Um, the trend is definitely negative right now. I don't know. I don't know that I'm pessimistic. I, I still have it in my mind that because of the money involved and because they are waiting this thing out, that we do get a football season to some extent. Whether they started on time, I don't know. Whether they finished it on time, I don't know. I still think they're going to play. I will say that I've gone into neutral. I'm, I'm not pessimistic, but I'm no longer optimistic. I'm just kind of sitting right here on a baseline and kind of waiting for the next thing to fall in either direction. It, it worries me that so many more schools are stopping voluntary workouts um, because at some point to play football, you have to actually play football. Um, so that did concern me. I think Ohio State jumped into that yesterday. They were one of the ones that, 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 that are doing that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm neutral. I'm not optimistic. I'm not pessimistic. But I was optimistic, and I've definitely downgraded from there at this point. Yeah, I, we, we were just talking about it before we started. I still think football happens. I just think that it's going to be abbreviated and it's going to look you know, night and day different from how it normally is. I, I don't know what that really entails because things are were trending better and then now they're not. So, um, yeah, we'll see how the next couple months go. I mean, I think that these next – the uh, July and August are, are crucial for what's going to happen. That's the <laughs> most obvious statement of the century, but that's where we are. C.K. Dixie says, what's really going on with Antonio Harmon? <laughs> this is this has become a, a quite a con- contentious uh, topic on the board. I Look, I, I don't know for a fact. I've never talked to Antonio. He doesn't speak much. He's a quiet kid. Um, I just think that everybody's just taking it slow right now with COVID and I, I don't know. I, I don't know how the, the validity of the statements people have made that Ole Miss has cooled on him or Ole Miss has backed off. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. Derek Nix is his position coach now and he's been recruiting him since he was a freshman in high school at Kosciuszko. So I, I don't think that, I don't think they backed off at all. Now I, I'm not in those war rooms. I don't, 
talk to Derek Nix. I don't talk to Lane Kiffin. I don't talk to Jeff Levy. I don't know how how high they value him in terms of how good of a receiver do they think he is. Um, now, I, I think it would certainly help him if high school football happens because I believe the Whippets got a new OC and they're finally not running the wing T anymore. So he's going to be the focal point of the offense. Okay. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I haven't talked to Antonio in a long time. Uh, and by long time, I mean, never, um, his DMS are closed, I believe. But, uh, most people say that Ole Miss is still right there. Tucker Burke in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage, located in Oxford, Memphis, Settle County, and Chattanooga, one of the oldest mortgage companies in the southeast. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so your local underwriting understands your market, leader in condo financing, the float-down option, and much more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Podcast also brought to you by Tyson Drugs and G&M Pharmacy. Tyson's utilizing a walk-up window, and G&M is offering curbside service available there in Oxford. Both stores are open for regular business hours, and they're still dedicated to free local delivery and same-day delivery as well. To find out more, you can give them a call, 662-236-2222. G&M right there on South Lamar in Oxford. And then also, if you're injured and not sure where to go, no matter where you are, Special Orthopedic Group has you covered with three convenient locations in Tupelo, Oxford, New Albany. No referral is needed to schedule an appointment with one of SOG's fellowship-trained subspecialized surgeons at any one of the three locations. 24-hour access to scheduling. SOG makes it easy to accommodate you. Call 767-4200 or request an appointment on their website at www.sogms.com. Special Orthopedic Group. Choose a specialist. Choose SOG. So, ask here, changing uh, changing things around a, a pretty good bit at this point. It says, if you were Tom Hanks and then the castaway, would you just leave Helen Hunt alone, character, character alone to live with her family like he did? Or would you put up a fight to convince her to be with you? Um, look, I don't think there's a fight to be put up here. He, 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 he obviously runs back into her. It's awkward for everybody. It's probably most awkward for her new husband because... I mean, as we've talked about before, he was supposed to just like not wake up, not cause a scene, not know really know, know what in the hell to do during this point, considering everything that was going on. I think this is one where you got to let Helen Hunt make this decision and do whatever, because I mean, Tom Hanks, he was more obsessed with the woman that he kept the package from the entire time. I mean, I, you, you can you can see the end of this movie any way you want to do it. You can say he went to a new city, he went back for her, but I think her name was Patina or whatever it was in the movie. He, mm-hmm. he went there. He kept that package the entire time. It had, like, the angel wings on it. And let's not act like it. I mean, it wasn't a red herring. It was a completely. It was a complete part of the plot device. And then at the beginning of the movie, when you see her driveway, it has the husband named Dick on one side and her name on the other. And then at the end, when you see it again, it's only her name on that side. The dude was cheating on her. They got a divorce. And now Tom Hanks has taken a package to her, and they're going to end up together. That, that's how the movie actually ends. So I, I think it worked out for everybody. Maybe other than Helen Hunt, because she ends up marrying a guy that she actually doesn't care for to the point that she cared for Nolan, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I I think, I'd like to think if I was in that position, I wouldn't be upset, because, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to be upset. You're going to be kind of pissed. You're like, okay, hold on, though. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. like, But are are you so happy to just be alive at that point where you're like, oh, the hell with it? Okay, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I would, I like to think that I would be in, understanding ex-husband in this case where I'm like, you know what? Like she had no idea. I'm lucky to be, be here. 
they had a funeral. So there was nothing in the box, but they had a funeral. So, um, yeah, I, I think that I would be the, I, I definitely take the, I don't even know if it's a high road, just, Hey, just be happy for her. Like move on. Like you're, you, you could have died. You're not. It's all good. It's a great film. It's such a good movie. I mean, I, 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 I don't even know the last time I've seen it. I don't even know the last time. Hey, I, saw I catch it. it on cable, and it's one dude by himself for the majority of the movie, and I'm still just captivated. Like it can be on the background. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm in. I'll watch the rest of the way. Um, I mean, like the best unintentional this, comedy in the world is like there when he gets back to the states, and they're doing like that reception for him, and he picks up like the crab leg, and is like, no, like I've had a completely <laughs> enough seafood. Like no way. Yeah, I'll say this, and it's probably gonna get people angry i that's a tom hanks movie i would much rather watch that than forrest gump i do watch that more than forrest gump for whatever reason I, when forrest I gump is on i don't rewatch. forrest gump is overrated define how you believe it's rated i mean i think it's a good film i just don't think it's just like this incredible you know film that's just you know amazing that makes sense like i don't think I, i'm not saying it's bad but i think it's it's good for what it is the soundtrack is incredible um i don't even know if it's classified as a coming of age film but i mean it's one of those where it's just like the the whole anthology of like somebody's life and but it always just pissed me off because jenny was such a awful such an ass she's an awful. asshole yeah awful she was terrible and he kept going back and but I mean, the cast is stacked, and I mean, Tom Hanks is all time. So I don't, I don't hate it, but I just, if if I had to pick Castaway or Forrest Gump, I would pick Castaway. What's your most rewatchable Tom Hanks movie? Uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Is it really? Love that movie. Okay, I was not expecting you to say that, but okay. Yeah. Um. P- PSH in his prime. Okay. Just being an just being an angry dude and the back and forth that him and tom hanks have tom hanks does a great texas accent like he's he's got a good draw to him and i don't know just a cool dude it was an interesting movie okay it, it's it's castaway or big for me i mean i'm, I'm kind of down the line of tradition there's not like some crazy answer that i'm gonna have i will say that out of all of his like kind of rom-com whatever just because of the complete absurdity to it i really like joe versus the volcano it cracks me up. Yeah. Um, kind of in on that a little bit. Because I like Sleepless I, in Seattle puts me to sleep. I have no interest in it whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, Green Mile is, is phenomenal. It is. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Oh, hold on. All right. Now, I do love Charlie Wilson's War, but I think I'm changing my answer to Catch Me If You Can. That's okay. one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I'll go there. I, I, I'm okay with that. I have I have no issues. Um, he was... Uh, he... he, he has he ever done a bad movie? Hanks? I mean, it, I mean, I even loved Da Vinci Code. It but was I mean, just okay. Um, I'm going through Sully, his filmography right League now. League of Their Own, I mean, Road to Perdition. Those are great. Toy Story, obviously, is a voice. The yeah. Terminal is even okay. It's fine. It's not great, but it's yeah. okay. Um, Splash. That Thing You Do is a good movie. It's not a bad yeah. movie. Yeah. He did the, uh, you know, the voice Polar Express. The Post is really good too. That's one I keep forgetting from recent. You know what's uh, underrated but uh, really good is uh, the Lady Killers. I don't know that I've seen it. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I don't know that it's I've like, seen that. 
black comedy, Coen Brothers. It's it's awesome. Okay. Yeah, still just kind of scrolling through a little bit. We'll move on in a minute. But yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's actually a lot of Tom Hanks movies I have not seen. Maybe not in a ton, but there are definitely some. I never finished it, but it didn't resonate with me as much because I didn't watch. Um, I didn't watch Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. but A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it was uh, what I saw. I thought it was. Ex- it, I thought it did exactly what they wanted to do with that film, and it was good. Uh, all right, moving on. Morningside, nineteen eighty. Is the staff already looking at other immediate transfer DTs to finish off the twenty twenty class? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I know that they were looking at the transfer portal before the shutdown started. Um, I don't know what they're doing as of now. I mean, they they have gotten Tavius Robinson, who uh, the last time I spoke with him said that his plan was to go to Ole Miss. I know LSU was trying to flip him, but uh, he said that he was just simply waiting on in- the NCAAs, you know, to clear him and his academics, which he didn't have any question marks or issues there. Um, so I, uh, I want to say he, um, I don't know if he's on campus right now. I know that um, Springer is on campus. He has been cleared and all that, uh, the Navy transfer. So he is there. Um, so I think, with Tavius being from Canada, that might have slowed things down a bit. Um, we all know how the NCAA likes to keep everybody on their time. So uh, him and uh, Dean Lillard, I expect to be in Oxford in a couple weeks. But as far as other DTs, I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I haven't heard anything. Do a little predicting here. How many four-star players end up in the signing class when it's all said and done? Uh, in 2021? Uh, sure. Sounds good. Uh, let's see. Or, or we put this. We'll, we'll throw this at you. At what point is this is the recruiting calendar going to be anywhere near normal anyway? Though, like, how do we even know what the hell they're going to do? Well, I was going to say this is this is hard to to predict just because no one really knows what's going to happen. Like, are they are they are they going to have official visits? Because that changes things. If they have official visits in the fall. We're talking about him on the board today. I think they have a legit shot at Taiwan Malone if they get him to if they get him to Oxford. Guy wants to play both sports. Ole Miss baseball is a fast is a you know fast rising. I think it's a top ten, top fifteen baseball program in the country. I think Carl Lafferty has been working his butt off recruiting him, and I think Chris Partridge and the rest of the staff, if they can get him on campus, then that changes things. Because look, Ohio State's the favorite right now. But when you think of Ohio State, you don't think of baseball. And he has been adamant that he wants to play both. So that's what can – that variable right there changes that question big time. Um, so they're desperately trying to flip Luke Altmeyer. I know that they're – that that's their guy at quarterback. So is that going – You know, are they going to stick – stick with him or they're going to move on to somebody else. Um, but, uh, you know, the state of Mississippi this, this year is not very deep. So they're, they're going elsewhere to, to recruit. They're recruiting nationally. They've been adamant about that. I think, uh, if you made me pick a number, I'd say not, not including who they have now. I'd, I'll say three or four. Okay. 
That's it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right now. I. So what is the over-under, in your opinion, on where they need to finish, or where they can finish, if you will, nationally in, in rankings? Um, I mean, with the pandemic and not not having a, a spring to, you know, not having camps to evaluate and all that, I'd say anywhere top 35 is going to be fine. Okay. Like there's seven, there's 71 right now. I don't think they're going to be 71. Well, no, in no, no, no. February because look, it they're being they're being very picky. They're looking everywhere and they're not just going to take people to take people. I know that everybody said, you know, well, there are other brand new staffs that are doing fine. Well, Arkansas's taking commitments from a ton of people. Missouri's doing the same thing. I mean, they're there are kids that are as soon as they get an offer and it's committable, they they want to grab a spot. Um, I think this staff is being a little more vigilant with how they evaluate because they're having to get creative. Cause like I said, there's no camps, there's no seven on to, to look at. So they're looking at a ton of junior film and just kind of evaluating, you know, personalities over the phone, over Skype, FaceTime, whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be that low come February. Question here from NAS5108. What do you guys think ultimately happens in football season? They play a shortened season, shortened season with 50% capacity, shortened season with no fans in the stadium. We talked about this a good bit already, but I think I would say no more than 50%, probably less, and it is a shortened season. I think there is a season, but I'm going to say under 12 games and definitely no more than 50% of fans inside the stadium. Yeah. That's my guess. I'm with you. I don't think there – Definitely won't be full capacity. I think it'll be. I, I'm I'm not sure if they're going to do shortened yet. I know they want to do all the games, but as of now, I think it'll be somewhat delayed. But they're going to play, and at least fifty, the at most fifty percent, I should say. Most overrated comedy movie of all time. I've got several in my head, and this is so subjective because different people find different types of comedy funny. Um, I find no humor whatsoever in Napoleon Dynamite. Zero. Um, don't like it even a little bit. I think that's one. Um, you're smirking like I'm wrong. No, I mean, that, that it's a it's an odd one, but I think it's funny. Okay. Uh, that's fair. I appreciate I appreciate it being weird. Uh, here's one. I have I have this hot take. Sure. Uh, that people get upset about. I don't think Elf. I don't find Elf appealing. Elf is so seasonal. It, it's it, it's it's only that popular because it's a Christmas movie. Also, I find Will Ferrell unbearable at this at this time. Okay. At this juncture, I feel like his he's run his course with me. Anything not named Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison that Adam Sandler's in, I don't find funny. So, like, The Water Boy doesn't do much for me. Um, I'll give you uh, the scary movie. I, I thought those were stupid. Yeah. Because um, there is a liked. certain level of stupid that I just don't find funny. Yeah. Um, never really was a big Austin Powers fan. Okay. Um, it's fine. I, I actually do kind of smirk at it a lot. Like, it sort of sort of cracks me up. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people hate the hang, <clears throat> hate the Hangover. I thought, I it, thought was it was fantastic. Fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm a Hangover positive. Um, on the other side, they say what is the most underrated comedy? You you got one or two? 
Um, it's old, oh. and maybe it wasn't underrated at all. Maybe it was a freaking top ten hit. I don't know, but like nobody talks about it in like the canon. Um, the original Arthur with du- with Dudley Moore is maybe my favorite comedy of all time. I laugh throughout the movie. I just love it. He's the okay. best on screen drunk in history. <laughs> um, probably was actually drunk back then. Um, so my number one underrated, and maybe it's not underrated. I don't know. It's on Netflix now, so maybe not. But I think. I think Hot Rod is fantastic. Okay. Um, I'd say that, and then just kind of going old school. Uh, I think Weekend at Bernie's is really, really good. Oh, Weekend at Bernie's is really good. I think a lot of people kind of scoff at it um, just because the whole premise is like, there's no way that anybody would believe. Well, duh, but that's the point. But Yeah, you just have to like completely let it be what it is. You can't, you can't overthink it. Which is basically yeah, the thought. which is really the truth to any movie from the nineteen eighties. Just don't overthink yeah. it. Just let it be what it is. Just 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 go with it. It's gonna be all right. Like like the people that get mad about like Ferris's parents. Like there's no way that they'd be yeah, that yeah. stupid. And just stop. Like, come, like, just just let it just let it rod. Yeah. In the in the eighties and maybe even early nineties a little bit. That was not a thing. You just had to let whatever is happening is happening, and it's it is what it is. Mm. Um, I found Game Night a couple years ago pretty funny. Oh, that's a great that's a great movie. Yeah, I, I found it really funny. Nobody really talks about it a ton. It was a it was good. Jason Bateman rarely disappoints. We get one He's more great. season of Ozark, right? They're back for season uh, four. Don't get mad at me. I haven't seen. Okay. We didn't finish season two, and we haven't started three. Obviously, so okay. I did I not. A lot. I didn't think season three was as good, but I'm still all in. Um. Ozark and Succession are probably the two things that I'm not missing and am really excited for the next seasons. Um, Succession six, was good. Um, the boy. Succession has ruined billions for me. Because I was... It? Do what? <laughs> I was going to say, you watch Succession and it's just like you hate everyone on the show. No one is good. <laughs> they they're, all suck. <laughs> Yeah, there's no redeeming character, but that's no. okay. <laughs> They're all terrible, and you're just like, God, like everybody is awful. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's the same ish kind of premise, and I, I do. I, I've watched Succession, and now like I go back to Billions, and I'm like, okay, fine. Like nothing's going on. I, I'm this is this is a cartoon version of that show. Is all I'm watching at this right. point. Um, speaking of sub- of uh, subjective, Doctor Dan three twenty one best meat to smoke or grill. Ooh, um, I've done a couple beer can chickens that uh, have turned out really, really well. Just smoking it on on a grill. Uh, Smoked chickens better than grilled chicken, no doubt. Yeah, I did it at the I did it at the beach, and everybody in the house were big fans. And then I did it um, earlier this week for we had like a little birthday cookout for a friend, and uh, everybody said it was great. So. I think I can say that smoked chicken is up there. As far as like red meat, it's really, really hard to beat a filet. Um, I'm big on the Denver steaks now. Greg has got me on those. And uh, when I can get him to send me some stuff, I always ask for that. Um, But there's a local butcher shop here that has some really good Denver steaks. On the grill, I'd rather have the ribeye than the fillet. Um, I would rather cast iron the fillet um, than, than than grill it most of the time. 
Um, even though it's only on the grill for a second, I would say just a quick sear on an ahi tuna would be on my list um, from a straight grill standpoint. And for smoking, I'm pretty traditional. Like, give me the give me the the the, the shoulder, the Boston butt, or the ribs, and I'm good. Like, I, I don't need anything crazy. I'm not a I'm not a huge brisket person. Maybe I haven't had enough really good brisket, but that's not my thing. Um, I'd much rather have the uh, have the pork on the smoke. Yeah, we that was like our big fundraiser in high school for baseball. Um, was doing selling smoke that they would smoke and then sell. We'd sell pork butts. Yeah, um, that's really, 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 really tough to beat. If you can, it's easy. Can There's butt, so many well. different ways to eat it. It just yeah, like I'm I'm good. Just classic. Okay, no problems. That are ribs. Nice. Ribs are quicker. So if I'm in the like depending on the mood, that's the uh, that's the way to go. Now, uh, smoking wings is very good. It is yes. Very simple. Um, do love that, but because uh, you get a little more crisp on them, you can right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if you if you know your way around a grill. It's smoked meat. It's all good. Go like what's the what's yeah. uh, what, what what's really bad? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Come on. I'm trying to think about it. Like, what, what do I not like grilled or smoked? Like, I don't know. Like, in, yeah, sure, fine. It's all Impossible Burger. Eh, eh. <laughs> um, let's see. All right, Jacopas says, uh, does Jimbo Fisher's six month show cause order that includes a quote ban on all off campus recruiting activities for fall 2020 contact period have any teeth considering the COVID recruiting restrictions placed on all schools? Do you know what actually happened? The whole punishment seems pretty weak. I, I don't know what happened. I will say that, yes, there's not a lot of teeth here, in my opinion. I don't think this has really any repercussions whatsoever. I don't think this will change the uh, the uh, the machine in College Station if it gets to uh, crank up in any way. I, I think this is a uh, a pretty light penalty that is looks good on paper but doesn't actually do much from a tangible st- uh, standpoint. So you're saying the NCAA is not out to get them? I don't think they're out to get them. And look, this is not like Missouri's fault, but like I'm also amazed at the whole Missouri baseball and softball having the show calls or the probation period, and then it just ending even though there was no season. They're fully eligible in 2021, and it's like okay, like yeah. I, whatever. But I, okay, like again, they're not, not, gonna, they're not winning not anything. Gonna, it doesn't matter, but it makes no sense. Yeah, to me. I'm not going to rule uh, anything out because I mean, we know who the AD is there. Um, and look, the NCAA just kind of operates at their own pace, at their own speed. They don't answer to anyone. So if they really want to do something, they'll do it. Um, so I don't know. I Have they been sloppy with their recruiting, getting a little loose with the pockets a little bit? Uh, who knows? But, yeah, I can't say right now. But, I, you know, I do think, like, there could be something else out there. What are the most three difficult Power Five schools to consistently win eight plus games at? Uh, Vandy. It's Vandy. It's Washington State because of recruiting. Uh, yeah. Texas Tech. Ooh, really? Think so? Yeah. Okay. I just think I think with with this you have to think of uh, proximity to other better programs and then also the area you're recruiting to. I think the short list would at least include Kansas State to consider. Yeah. Um it's a good one. Um Rutgers. Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I think that's the which list. Have, which everybody is screaming at their uh, phone or 
speaker right now saying that Rutgers has a better recruiting class than Ole Miss right now. But yeah, well, it, it's it's those. Um, it's Vandy for sure. Like it's not even a not even a doubt. They've never signed a top one hundred national player ever, or yeah. in the rivals era at least. I mean, whatever. But I mean that that isn't that is a hellaciously crazy stat considering they are in the SEC. They yeah, try to compete. They try to compete with Florida and Georgia in their division every year, when they have never signed a top 100 player. Yeah, their tops like just, 104. They're like we talked about the other day with Stanford. Like they're they're not going to bend the rules. You have to, you have to get into school. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, it's it's hard, and then it's hard to get a coach to stay there. If they're successful, I mean, Franklin, you could argue that Franklin left for other reasons as well, but he showed that he could win big at Vandy. No one's ever done that, so he was he was gone pretty quick. He won, what, nine games two years in a row? Did he go nine and four both years? Mm-hmm. Beat Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you do that and you're going to be fine. What is the impact of adding Leonard? Uh, sorry, what? Anyway, what what does Leonard do for uh, the secondary if Ole Miss plays football? What's it do? Impact? Sorry, that the question was not written oh, very I, well. I think he's an absolute. Uh, I think that this was a, a must get, and I think that now that he is committed, I think that it's huge. Six two, close to two hundred pounds, can really really run. Um, it's it gives you plenty of flexibility in terms of uh, whether he's field or boundary corner. Maybe you want to put him at give him a look at safety just because of his length and his speed to play center field. Um, I, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play immediately. I'm not saying he's going to start immediately, but I think he's going to be in the rotation heavily um, and is going to get a lot of snaps. I think he is. Uh, Somebody's gonna. I think he's gonna make. A, I think he's gonna make an impact, for sure. Um, film looks good. Uh, just three years in Canada, you know, playing defensive back in Canada is much tougher than in America because, in case people forget, like those guys could be running full speed at you by the time the ball <laughs> snaps. So you got to be able to run and cover. So I, I think I think it's a it's a great pickup. Uh, let's see. Bro Wallace says Kiffin said he was going to treat this like an NFL roster, and certainly seems to be doing so. How much would these transfers alter the current recruiting rankings if they were factored in? Well, the problem there is I don't know who else is getting transfers to, so it's impossible to in a vacuum doesn't do much for you. Obviously, Ole Miss has gotten better, and I mean I think the bigger news is that yeah, Kiffin, given the current situation with a traditional recruiting class, is having to do some of these things. He is doing these things. They've again got a, you know, got the guy from Navy. You get a couple of different guys from Canada. He said, hey, there are five or six different ways to acquire players, and you have to look at all those five or six different ways. I mean, if nothing else, he definitely uh, – he told the truth there. I don't know long-term how good or bad this is. Zach would have a little better opinion than me. I will say, though, that having some flexibility on ways to do acquisitions is a really big deal. And if you had if you had somebody that was a little more by the book and said, no, this is how a college roster is put together, given the limitations with COVID, given the fact that they're a first-year program, you really could be having some uh, some hands tied right now. So I'll give, I'll give Kiffin credit for that. Being outside the box is not the worst thing, given our current uh, climate and environment. 
Yeah, and it's also just hard because, I mean, look, I, I had to create the profiles for the two Canadian guys, so they weren't even in the database. And they're going in the, you know, they're in the 2020 class. Um, I Yeah, they're not going to, uh, Rivals is not going to put any time into, no. you know, ranking those guys or re-ranking any classes. Like, once signing day is over, like, it's done. Like, Leonard Manuel, uh, whenever he decides what he's going to do, if he commits, to, if he flips to Ole Miss and, you know, signs, whatever, um, they're not going to re-rank Ole Miss's class from 2020. No, they will do an enrolled ranking of some standpoint, but it will not be anything you find on paper or anything when you go to the database to uh, to pull it up. It will, it no. will not. So, but that's fine. The Oxford Exxon Podcast, also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. Iron Horse Grill located at 320 East Pearl Street in Jackson. Live music four times per week. The perfect place to enjoy lunch, dinner, or Sunday brunch. It's also one of the largest beverage caterers in Mississippi. It can service the entire state. So call Sarah Black at 601-398-0151 for your catering needs. Knock that off your worry list. Let the Iron Horse Grill make your event one that is memorable forever. Dead Soxy discounts are back. And while some prices may have risen on the website, the MPW Digital Network podcast and Rebel Grove subscribers will always have access to the best Dead Soxy discounts available. So use promo code REBELGROVE at checkout. Get 30% off the best dress socks you'll ever put on. If you were on the fence about getting your kids a pair of the limited edition socks, use promo code REBELGROVE. Get a pair for you and your child. They'll love them. You will too for under 5 bucks. De- shutdown deals with a promo code combination are available in select styles. So go to deadsoxy.com and make your day a soxy one. Our friends from Blue Delta Jeans are excited to announce that on October the 16th, the Friday before the Florida game, Blue Delta Jeans will be hosting the second annual Delta Cup Golf Tournament. Oxford Exxon listeners may remember that last year's Delta Cup was taken home by Chase Parham and company, so this year's Delta Cup will be your opportunity to challenge the reigning victors. Tea time will be at 10 a.m. at Mossy Oak Golf Club, and your registration fee will include green and cart fees, food and drinks on the course, as well as a pair of a new pair of Blue Delta Jeans. Prizes will be up for grabs for hole-in-ones, Closest to the pin and longest drive. The field's going to be limited to 18 teams, so don't wait. Email Tyler, that's T-Y-L-E-R, at BlueDeltaJeans.com to reserve your spot, and they'll see you on the course. We have a amount of my money up uh, from taped earlier this week with Romero Miller. That is brought to you by Pinnacle Trust, Pinnacle Trust based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. They treat investing like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you at Pinnacle Trust. Uh... They go the extra mile just for you, and all you got to do is tell them that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fees. We're also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Thinking about getting away after four months of uh, lockdown, pandemic lockdown, John knows where all the deals are. He knows what's open, what's kind of open, what's closed. He knows... uh, all of that because he's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. Get in touch with him. Give him some parameters. Give him a budget. 
and he will give you options you can't find on your own, and you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first book trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's just off Interstate 55 in Grenada, GrenadaNissanUSA.com. And we're brought to you by Oxford University Bank. OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB offers its customers the absolute best cash checking account. It's called Casasa, and with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances, up to $50,000, and refund ATM fees nationwide. To learn more about OUB, check out liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group, dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. You can get in touch with them at 901-365-3447 or email ben, B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. And we're brought to you by the law firm of Bain, Moss, and Bowen, PLLC, located in historic downtown Corinth. Their firm practices a wider range of law, from DUI defense to car wrecks to representing government entities. It's the only firm in Mississippi made up of a sitting state legislator, a former assistant district attorney, and a former circuit judge. Their experience is unmatched, and you can tap into that experience by seeing them at 618 East Walden Street in Tupelo or by calling them at 662-287-1620. Let's see. Going through uh, Marv Merchants with lots of alcohol questions this week. Um, good to hear from, uh, from Marv. He says, what whiskey comes to mind would you recommend as quintessential for the following categories? Cannot be unicorns uh, for those people, meaning things you can't really put your hands on. Uh, he starts off with what is the uh, the easy sipper out of the category. Typically, that's a oh, typically it's a wheat bourbon, usually around ninety proof or so. Nothing that's gonna something that a newcomer can can get their palate around without uh, freaking out too much, and something that's probably pretty widely uh, accessible as well. Um, I got a couple thoughts, Zach. Anything on the top of your head for a? For a um, an easy sipper. I think Makers is pretty easy to sip. Um. Finish is pretty. It doesn't have like a bite or a kick or anything. Yeah, I was hard, thinking. This, go ahead. I was gonna say it's kind of hard because I, I prefer rise most of the time. If I'm going just bourbon, I'll go Buffalo Trace. But I don't know. Would you class? Would you classify that as an easy sipper? I think it's got a little kick to it. Um, I would probably go Eagle Rare before Buffalo Trace. I think Eagle Rare is in that category. Something that again you can kind of get your hands on. It's a good bourbon. It's one that. Uh, um, High West is also solid. Yeah, I've got ones I really like from them, and I've got ones I really don't like for them. I'm, I'm kind of up and down on High West for a lot. I mean, because, like, you know, Midwinter's Night Dram is one of my favorite alcoholic things. I mean, it's a ride, not a, not a bourbon, but it's fantastic. Um, let's see. Uh, sorry, going through his uh, 
his list there real quick says uh classic bourbon see that's what i was gonna do. i was gonna put makers there i was kind of thinking about it a second ago makers is that thing that if you're if you have it you're fine with it there's no issues it's not probably gonna knock mm-hmm. your socks off but i think it's out of the hey just give me five or six names that everybody's gonna know i think it's the one that i'm i'm, I'm completely comfortable with uh without a doubt um high proof bourbon that is completely available and you can find anywhere. I think I would go with Booker's. I like Booker's a lot. Um, usually it's in that 126, 128 proof range, something like that. It was even my daily sipper for a pretty long time. I, I usually will keep a bottle of Booker's around at, uh, at, at all times, especially if we're not, if we're going to avoid some rise, if we're just talking about bourbon, I think that's a, that's a good, easy one that if you, uh, if you have it and you like it, you probably like high proof bourbon. There's um, tons of affordable, good, whiskey out there bourbon or rye there's a ton of well yeah it's why you don't have to go into those i mean i i I like him as well as the next guy and i'll chase a little bit but you don't have to go into the crazy dollar figures for bourbon you can you can sit in that 50 60 dollar range and find anything you want in any category at whatever level that you uh you feel the need Mm -hmm. for period i i typically keep buffalo trace um keep buffalo trace and i'm big on russell's reserve as of late but i pretty much have eagle rare buffalo trace or um i'm a little partial to kentucky okay pretty much anything from there is good to me so that's kind of what i typically keep in the decanters Best cocktail whiskey. That's one that I've got around that I'm not. I'm not ever going to drink straight. I'm just going to have it to mix in with stuff. Um, I would have two, and they're the same company. I would use Bullet Bourbon and Bullet Rye. Um, I'm more of a rye guy for cocktails. It's not as sweet. It's going to give a little more spice to it, especially like an old fashioned or something. And then I'll try to make Sazeracs and Manhattans, and I want the rye. Um, but I would go. I would go simple. If it's do, if you're doing cocktail whiskey, you want something fairly cheap. You don't want to spend a ton of money on it. I would go Bullet for the bourbon and the rye on that. The orange label and the green, and call it a day. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I forgot about Bullet. Bullet is tough to beat. Um, rye again, that's an easy one for me. It's, it's midwinter night's dram. It's not the easiest thing in the world to find, but you can find it. I, I don't think it's a unicorn and it's a, uh, it's, it's my favorite. It's, it, it's, it's my favorite daily thing. If I have enough of it, at least, um, and I'm not trying to hoard or stockpile it a little bit. Uh, it's my favorite daily drink. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Overrated. Uh, there's a couple angels envy to me has no, I have no interest in over in, in angels envy at all. A lot of people like it and it's just not my thing. Um, I would throw maybe that in the category and then best kept secret. I think the old forester 1910 is just fantastic. We did a bourbon South on, on, on the, on the old forester line. It's really good. It's in that 50, $60 range. It's uh, it's mostly, it's going to be part of their normal lineup. So it's not one that's going to go away on you. And then, um, it was one that we've talked about a ton through the different years. I, I still think not everybody has jumped on the uh, the bandwagon because it's a New York bourbon, but uh, Widow Jane, really, really good on, on, on most of its years. So I would really throw that in for best kept secret, I guess, depending on if you're looking for something a little harder to find or something that you can find on most uh, on most shelves. Uh, Yankee Knot says, how many of the committed two and three stars should be rated higher, and who are they, Mr. Barry? Um... I think uh, you've got. Let's see, the first one that comes to mind, um, 
I think uh, people might find this funny. I think Tannehill, the kicker, I think he should be ranked a little higher. He's only a two-star. You can, if you're a kicker, the highest you can be ranked is a three. I believe it's a five-five three-star, the highest. But why? What's the deal there? It makes no sense to me. Oh, I don't know. They impact the I, game as much as anyone. Yeah, maybe not, maybe not anyone, but enough. Absolutely. And now I, I say that. Don't hold me to it. Maybe there's been a kicker that's been ranked higher. But I looked up like the other day just to make sure. I was like, all right, what was J.K. Scott, the guy that went to Alabama? Sure. And he was a five-five-five. So, um, I mean, I think uh, a guy like Kendrick Breedlove has a chance to be a four. He's a five-seven right now. He can get bumped up to a five-point-eight if he has a great senior season. Um, honestly, I think both DBs, uh, or I should say, him and Demarco Williams. Uh, have a shot to be ranked higher. Sabatini's not going to be a zero star. He's going to be a three star eventually. Um, Micah Pettis is a three. I don't see him getting up to a four star, but I mean, it is what it is with him. He's six, seven, three twenty. It doesn't really matter. Just that's a huge body. Get him on campus and get him in shape. Um, I said this earlier, Braylon Brown has a shot to be a five, be a five star. He um, blew up in camps uh, before everything stopped and, uh, I mean, he's going to play at St. Thomas Aquinas for his senior season. That's a high-profile program. Um, he could show out and, and really turn some heads. I mean, he's a 5'9 right now. He could get bumped up to a 6. So, um, but yeah, the, the guys that are that are either not rated or a 3-star right now, just it is what it is. North Tampa Rebel wants a, uh, a mole update. <laughs> uh, I still have the um, – these stakes you put in your yard and they uh, emit like a high pitched sound and uh, vibrations. They do it. I guess it's like every minute. So you just put these C batteries in there and just drive them in the ground. Um, I haven't seen it in a couple weeks. Uh, came back from the beach and there wasn't anything crazy going on in the yard. So I guess it's gone. Um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come back. Cause it was driving me insane. Do they come back? Is that is that is that? A well, thing? we've had them before. Okay. One time, uh, the big dog, I guess, found it, or found like a hole, and dug, and uh, scared it off. So it it left last summer, but now it's back and with a vengeance. Tried to get the dog to find it again, but she doesn't really seem to care. KB Golf says, odds football is played with fans in September. If football moves to the spring, would baseball start later and run through June and July with College World Series in August? Uh, no, they would overlap a pretty good bit. You might get a couple-week movement, but until uh-huh. the draft and all that stuff decides they want to play along, nope, 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 nope. It would be an overlap deal. College baseball does not have that level of flexibility in its schedule to do that. just is nope. what it is. Uh, let's see. I believe this has been talked about, but what's the word on DeAndre Prince again? Essentially, is he sitting out a year and be back on the team in 2021? Uh, last I heard is um, he's got to get some uh, some academic things squared away. So I believe um, he would probably do JUCO and then come back. I don't know that for a fact, but um, you know, with the shutdown, people aren't really saying much or talking about the roster much, but that's the last I had heard was that he is probably going to need to go Juco for at least one year to get some grades going because uh, I guess his first uh, first year at Ole Miss didn't go well. Do you think Hugh Freeze gets another Power 5 job within three years? No. Yes. 
You do? Mm-hmm. I do. Like wouldn't. a place, like a place, like uh, like a like a Rutgers or some Kansas. I don't know. Take your pick. Hey, Les is up there. He's doing all right. Okay, well, maybe so. I'm just telling you. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't think. I think people know what's up with him now. I just think if he wins, I mean, I know he's the highest paid group of five for whatever you want to make that up and whatever. But I just, I, I just got a hunch he's going to get another gig. Somebody's going to go. Hey, what the hell? Sounds good. He's behaved. He's a different, dude. Why not? I mean, that's, yeah, I, mean, I have until 2024. There's a lot can go on between now and 2024. True. That's true. So, yeah, I, I'm saying yes. Uh, how long would it take for Kiffin to get to an 8-4 and four level baseline? I mean, this year doesn't even count right now, so I don't know. That's the thing is that, I mean, there's no way to judge him in any way on anything that happens in this calendar year. So, I mean, I don't know. 20, I mean, look. 2022? I, yeah. I mean, he hell, he could win eight games this year. He could. Who knows? They got, I think, over seventy percent returning production on offense. The highest he's in the league. A, yeah, uh, he's an offensive coach. Jeff Levy's no slouch. Great offensive coordinator. I mean, Partridge and Durkin running the defense. Yeah, I mean the schedule sets up fine. Win your non-con, um, and then just catch somebody slipping one day, and who knows? I mean, I think six wins is easily attainable. You mentioned 5.5, by the way. Gary Wonderlick, who was the number one kicker in the country when he signed with Ole Miss, was a 5.5 three-star. Okay, yeah. So that, I do, okay, I do remember looking that up, too. And Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, that so just a little uh, little add-on there. Uh, let's see. Looking at the next uh, question. Sorry, give me one second. Skip it over a couple things. Uh, we still have time. We can get into the 2001 Arkansas and State games. We can talk about uh, the 99 season as well. We have plenty of – there's plenty of what-if memory lane with Ole Miss Athletics. I mean, don't don't think we found the only two topics out there that are worth uh, dissection and discussion during uh, <laughs> during this thing. Uh, current staff has zero confidence in our roster if we're looking at Canada to fill some holes. Thoughts? I don't think that's true. I get the perception. I mean, I, I, I get it. Sure, but, yeah. Absolutely. But again, he's looking everywhere. I mean, it's just kind of what he does. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's what you hire him for. <clears throat> so i I just think that they found two guys that they think can contribute right away. So why not? You got the space. PC Rebel says, "Do you have a what? What are your guilty pleasures?" Hmm. Because that implies oh, things God. I don't want to tell anybody about. I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I'm kind well, of boring. I, I don't do I immediately just think food. Okay. Um, if I have a pint of Ben & Jerry's in the freezer, I'm probably going to eat it all in at least two days. There is no, there is no Ooh, like. Food-wise, what is it I can't? I have, no, I have no off switch there. Like, I'm going to eat the whole thing. Popcorn, I'm a big popcorn guy. And then, and then I get in trouble because popcorn as a snack is is not a bad thing, but then I add chips. Oh, you're doctoring it up. You're doing. Oh, you just yeah. you, you just like overwhelm yourself with salt. Yes, exactly. All the sodium. I just lace it with all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by the fact that I watch a lot of, or I used to watch a lot of really dumb TV and stuff. Like that's whatever. That doesn't do anything for me. Um. Dessert, probably. I have to be really careful with that. I can't go crazy on the dessert stuff. Um, anything chocolate, for sure. I'm 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 a chocoholic if I allowed myself to be. So I I don't do that for the most part. 
Uh Um, Buying golf-related things, definitely a guilty pleasure, things that I do not need that I have to make myself not purchase because that gets really expensive really quickly. Um, especially when you're just doing it for the heck of it. Because, I mean, it's obviously the arrow and not the Indian that's at fault. So um, anything that I can find yeah. to help the bag out a little bit. Yeah, I'll do um, – I buy a lot of hats and uh, golf polos, just polos in general. Um, like if I go travel somewhere, I like getting some kind of – Like your Stanford T-shirt the other day? Yeah. Like when we were in, like when we were in Denver, we went to. Whenever we go to Denver, we always go to Boulder. I love Boulder, and uh, I, I bought a sweet uh, Colorado uh, Nike polo that's pretty sick. PC Rebel says, "Have you seen the 1993 movie Airborne?" You know, yes, movie? absolutely. That that movie is awesome. Okay, so that was the dude that was the surfer that goes to like Cincinnati. Do I have this right? Uh-huh. Um, yep. Jack Black is in that. It's one of his first films. Seth Green is in that. Yeah. Uh, I think. Tried to make uh, tried to make skating cool is what that movie was attempting to do. They have like the yeah. big race and at the end. And they had the big, the, the big uh, downhill race. Yeah. Devil's Backbone. Oh, that's right. That's a great movie. I don't know about Man. great, but let's see what else. What, what a pull there. We were asked, "What does Airborne get on Rotten Tomatoes?" I'm I'm looking it up. What do you think? Yeah, take a guess. Oh, this is this is fun. I've always wanted to do this. I've, this is a this is a great moment for me as a as a fan of your podcast. Jake. What the Rotten Tomatoes thing? Yeah, I love the Rotten Tomatoes game. Okay. What's okay? So I, now we're playing this. What's the worst film that you've ever uh, like made your wife watch? Where she was like, "You don't get to pick movies for like two months now." Uh, see, I don't have to worry about that because she hates movies. Like, I, and that's probably a little too strong. But like, she does not get into movies whatsoever. Really? Um, no, she she finds she'll she'll do TV shows and she's all good. But movies, it takes a really good movie to like make her even like watch to the end or anything. Like halfway through, and it's like, yeah, nothing. She'll she'll so, go to sleep, quit, anything like that. <laughs> the worst movie that like. Anna was like, I'm so mad at you. She was like, I'm mad that we spent $3.99 to watch that. Uh, was Lucy. It came out in 2014. I, yeah, I remember Scarlet, this. Uh-huh. Scarlett Johansson, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Which, it got a 67 on Rotten Tomatoes, but it was absolutely awful. Do you base any of your movie choosing off Rotten Tomatoes scores? Would no, you, not really. If you're down between two or three, would you look up things like that to make we, a determination? We will. Okay. But then it, but then it's also like it's like a game where it's like, oh, it got a twenty four. Can it be that bad? Well, see now the twenty four interests me. It's like the fifty to sixty five where I'm like, okay, I really have no interest. If it's really yeah. good or really bad, okay, tell me why. <laughs> I mean, it was like Bill Simmons with the, re- the rewatchables. He did Draft Day. Well, that movie is god awful, but yeah, it's like oddly rewatchable because of how bad it is. So I've got a whitelist thing up. It's not letting me see the score. So I'm gonna guess too. I'm gonna say Airborne with critics. I mean, it's obviously rotten. Um, I'll say 38. I'm going to say 29. I think it's really bad. Um, let's guess the audience score, too. I'm going to say audience gives it a 54. I'll say audience was 61. Okay. Uh, it is rotten at 21%. Um, audience score of 59. So. Ooh. I was close. Yeah, pretty close there. I think, uh, I think it's entertaining. But that's not how critics typically judge movies. 
Well, no, I meant like with the audience score. Okay. Airborne skates downhill with a threadbare story, flat characters, and wince-inducing dialogue. I mean... Come on. That's pretty brutal. I'm actually looking for one of that the is. positives. Who said... Uh, um, <laughs> looking for a positive. The Seattle Times, the guy says, oddly enough, Airborne is a tasty cotton candy for the screen. There you go. I always uh, like reading the reviews because people have such a way with words. Uh, let's see. Like, Somebody says... Um, so this is a positive overall review, but then the paragraph says, tries for a gen- genuinely entertaining dramedy while pandering to the extreme sports crowds everywhere. I don't know that it was pandering to extreme extreme sports crowds. That seems a little far-fetched. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they found a pot, plot device, but it was not... No, 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 no. Alright, let's do uh, let's do Weekend at Bernie's. What do you think? Weekend at Bernie's, I'm gonna say... The original, not the uh, the, the much-acclaimed sequel, Weekend at Bernie's 2. Uh, okay. I'll say 67. Oh, okay. Um, I have no idea. Let me think. Weekend at Bernie's, I mean, completely stupid. But back then, I feel like critics had to be a little more lenient on that if it was just kind of entertaining from a comedy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go barely fresh at 61. And then I'm going to say audience is higher. I'm going to say audience is like 78 on this one. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, 74 for audience. I think people love it. Okay, here I'm clicking now. I didn't click until I guessed, so people don't think I'm cheating. Uh, all right. So we were high on the audience. I got pretty close on the uh, on the on the on the other one. It was not fresh, but it was close. It was riding at fifty four. So fifty four percent on that audience score only fifty seven on that one. Weekend at Bernie's uh, rings a surprising amount of laughs out of its corpse driven slapstick premise, but one joke can only carry a film so far. It's the uh, hey. the main consensus there on weekend at uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, we'll do some more Rotten Tomatoes as the uh, the day. Staying with movie questions, Jeff Bridges' best role. What do you got? Uh, it's either Big Lebowski or... True uh, Grit was really good. I love, absolutely love, and I will rewatch it if it's ever on or if anybody wants to. Hell or High Water was fantastic. Okay. I believe he was nominated for an Academy Award from that movie, if I have that correctly. Yeah, he was. That's a great movie. Chris Pine is is kind of low key one of my favorite actors. He's he's really good. Okay. Let's see, let's just for the heck of it. We know it's uh up there. We'll do one more because I'm kind of out of questions. So just hang with this. Hell or high water, 2016. Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, Ben Foster. What do you got? Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think? I'm gonna say 95. Okay, I'm gonna go gonna go 92. Because um, I'm one. pretty sure this one was pretty critically acclaimed across the board. Oh, you get it. I was I was definitely low. A uh, fresh of 97 percent on Hell, Ooh, Hell or High Water. 97 right. audience at 88. Says Hell or High Water offers a solidly crafted, well acted western heist thriller that eschews mindless gunplay in favor of. Confident pacing and full-bodied characters. So very, very good review there from uh, right. the consensus. Yeah. yeah. So a little bit of everything today on this uh, edition of not really a Fireway Friday because it was Thursday, but nonetheless, got a lot of questions. Hung out with you for uh, well over an hour here. 
as we were uh, talking, we'll let you know what's up next from a podcast standpoint. Coverage at ribblegrove.com. If anything does uh, pop as far as when things are going to happen, when they're not going to happen, or whatever the latest news is, we're both working on a couple things that we should get to you here in the next day or so. So stay locked in at rebelgrove.com, and we will talk to you again soon. Take care.